This message was recorded at Fillmore Baptist Church in Princeton, Louisiana. Our goal is to faithfully preach the Word of God for the salvation of sinners, the strengthening of believers, and the glory of God. Please visit our website at www.fillmorebaptist.org and listen for more information at the conclusion of this message. Father, we pray tonight for uh, Your help here as we uh, open Your Word before us and consider these truths. And As always, ask, Lord, that You grant understanding. Thank you again for uh, gathering us here, for the opportunity to pray together. and We ask for continued wisdom in praying for one another and praying for all of these that are represented on the prayer list and uh, in reaching out, serving. Lord, please use us where you will and how you will. And again, uh, Lord, please bless uh, this time of study for our edification, for Your glory. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Right, if you would turn to 1 Timothy chapter 6 with me. We're in the last chapter of 1 Timothy. And I know, as we've been going through here, you've been jotting down all kinds of questions and comments and... (laughs) Stuff that you just can't wait to ask or say, right? Here's your opportunity. <laughs> Any questions on anything we've talked about here? All right. What what did I? What is the uh, the key verse here that that gives us the reason for Paul writing this epistle? Chapter three, verse fifteen. That's it. So I'm gonna. Reference that again tonight. Um, we'll, we'll read this uh, uh, few passages here first, and then and then I'll mention that. But First uh, Timothy chapter six, and I'm going to read uh, verses three through ten. Verse three: If anyone teaches otherwise and does not consent to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ and to the doctrine which accords with godliness. He is proud, knowing nothing, but is obsessed with disputes and arguments over words from which come envy, strife, reviling, evil suspicions, useless wranglings of men of corrupt minds and destitute of the truth, who suppose that godliness is a means of gain. From such, withdraw yourself." Now, godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and clothing, with these we shall be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare, and into many foolish and harmful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Okay. First um, Timothy three fifteen. Paul gives us the re- uh, reason again for writing this epistle. I write so that you may know 
how you ought to conduct yourself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. So uh, I've tried to remind us of that as we move through here. So I'll remind you again tonight, just to kind of keep that in mind. Paul's reason for writing is so that we may know how to conduct ourselves as the household of God, which is the church, the called out ones. That's everybody that's saved, everybody that God has called out of the world unto Himself, the called out ones of God, the pillar and ground of the truth. And we talked quite about the, uh, quite a bit about that, the, the uh, church's uh, function in the world as standing for the truth, holding forth the truth, proclaiming the truth. And uh, that is a big part, again, of Paul's reason behind this letter. And we see that again tonight here in, in chapter 6. He's, he's drawing a contrast all the way through this letter as he deals with the different issues um, between uh, truth and error. Truth on one hand, error on the other. And, and a lot of times he uses phrases or wording like uh, uh, sound doctrine we're going to talk about tonight, as opposed to uh, unhealthy doctrine, falsehood. So he's drawing this contrast between truth and error, and talking about the importance of truth. And then all the way through, uh, he's also, again, as we see in the text tonight, um, giving us two, uh, what I would call, two, two main elements here, um, which are sound doctrine and godliness. So as, as he points out this contrast between truth and error, he is emphasizing the importance of sound doctrine and godliness. So in other words, having, having, the, right, uh, having the right beliefs, facts, doctrine, teaching, is just what the word means, sound teaching. And then... Applying it rightly in life. So he's talking about uh, right teaching, sound teaching. The word sound just means healthy. Um, healthy teaching and godliness. Living it out. Living out the healthy teaching. And he, he puts a lot of emphasis on this all the way through, through the letter. Extremely important for the Christian in this world. Sound doctrine and godliness. Christian, uh, or I should say it this way, Christianity is not just a profession. I mean, it's good to uh, believe the right things and, and, and it's good to give mental assent to the right things, to the right facts. Facts like uh, Jesus is Lord. He's the only way to the Father. Uh, no man goes, comes to the Father but through Jesus. Facts like He died for the sins of all those who believe. It's, it's good to believe those things and give some kind of mental assent, but if they have no effect on your life, if, if they're not born out in your life through godliness, then uh, there's something wrong with the profession. In other words, we really don't believe it if it's really not affecting our life. So those two things always go hand in hand. Right doctrine, sound doctrine, godliness. You have one without the other, something's wrong. You've got good doctrine, but no godliness, there's a problem. <laughs> it's probably that there's no salvation. On the other hand, you could have an appearance of godliness and, 
and uh, and believe all the wrong things, and and that's uh, equally bad. So here in chapter six, uh, Paul uh, laying out uh, these what we've been talking about over the past several weeks, different uh, applications of living out the church life. Um, more specifically, the, what, what we just finished talking about last week, he's talking about the relationship between servants, slaves, and masters. But he's also dealt with how the church care for, cares for widows. He's also dealt with how Timothy is, is to uh, uh, deal with the other elders in the church, how the younger men are to, are to respect the older men, and, uh, and so on, and women, and so on. Now, he says in verse 2, very last phrase of verse 2, teach and exhort these things. Now, I think he's, again, and this is another phrase we've seen several times, command these things, teach these things. Now, I think, again, you can apply that to everything he said so far and probably everything he's going to say. There's, I, mean, I was looking at um, different uh, commentaries and there's, there's disagreement on this little this little phrase, teach and exhort these things. There's some disagreement on does does that go with what Paul just said? You know, he 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 says everything he says all the way up to chapter six, verse two, and then he says, Teach and exhort these things. Or is this the beginning of a new thought? Teach and exhort these things, if anyone teaches otherwise, and so on. Kind of fits either way, doesn't it? <laughs> And it works out either way. Uh, everything that he's teaching here, he wants Timothy to teach and exhort. So again, verse 3, If anyone teaches otherwise and does not consent to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ and to the doctrine which accords with godliness, he is proud, knowing nothing, and so forth. So again, he's, he's setting forth this contrast. Truth versus error. Truth versus error. Truth being these things that Paul has been teaching, that he's commanding Timothy, exhort, teach and exhort these things, these teachings. And if anyone teaches otherwise, and the idea there is just a, a, a different doctrine. As a matter of fact, I'll give you a little parallel uh, here. Um, back in chapter 1, I urge you, verse 3, chapter 1, verse 3, as I urge you when I went into Macedonia, remain in Ephesus that you may charge some that they teach no other doctrine. Now that's the same word there, no other, same word over in uh, chapter 6, uh, verse Three, if anyone teaches otherwise, in other words, it's a different doctrine, he, then he goes into explaining the error of it. He say, he's saying to Timothy, I'm laying out the truth. These things that I'm giving you are true. And he implies in chapter 6, verse 3, that they are the teaching of the Lord. The words of our Lord Jesus Christ. And he, and he doesn't, he's not quoting something verbatim here, you know, this is what Jesus said, teach this, but he's just meaning the whole concept of what he's saying. All of these things, the truth, the sound doctrine, the wholesome words, 
are based upon the teachings of Jesus, based upon the Word of God. These things, Timothy, take and teach. And if anyone teaches another doctrine, a different doctrine, he's going on to say they are in error. Verse 4, he is proud, knowing nothing, but is obsessed with disputes and arguments over words from which come envy, strife, reviling, evil suspicions, useless wranglings of men of corrupt minds and destitute of the truth. He's drawing a clear distinction. They do not have the truth. They are destitute of the truth. If they won't accept these things, if they teach a different doctrine than what I'm giving you here, uh, even the words of our Lord Jesus, and the doctrine which accords... With godliness. That's interesting, isn't it? Verse 3. He's saying to Timothy, the doctrine that I'm giving you, the truth, the good doctrine, the good teaching, is in harmony with godly living. It accords with godliness. And so if anybody teaches a different doctrine that does not, uh, that is not in harmony with, with uh, godliness, uh, they are destitute of the truth. Let's go back to chapter 4 just for a moment. Verse 1. Now the Spirit expressly says that in latter times some will depart from the faith. It's another phrase for uh, the truth, sound doctrine, so forth. The faith is a phrase he uses from time to time. So some will depart from the faith giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. So you have in, in chapter 1, he commands Timothy, you charge some that they teach no other doctrine. And then in chapter 4, he says the time is going to come when, it, when it's going to happen. In fact, some will depart from the faith, the truth, the true faith, the true doctrine, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. Those are other doctrines other than the truth, other than that which accords with godliness. And what are they doing? Speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared with a hot iron. And then he gives some examples there. Uh, he goes on to tell Timothy in chapter 4, verse 6, If you instruct the brethren in these things, you will be a good minister of Jesus Christ, Nourished in the words of faith. That's sound doctrine. Nourished in the words of faith and of the good doctrine which you have carefully followed. But reject profane and old wives' fables and exercise yourself toward godliness. You see the correlation again? The connection? If you instruct the brethren in these things, Timothy... You will be a good minister nourished in the words of faith and good doctrine. Exercise yourself towards godliness. For bodily exercise profits a little, but godliness is profitable for all things, having promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. So this constant contrast between truth and error. Truth and error. Sound doctrine and another Doctrine. Paul uses uh, similar terminology in uh, uh, Galatians 1 when he talks about another gospel, which is really 
not a gospel at all. And that's what he's saying here. Uh, any other doctrine than what I'm setting forth here, Paul is saying, is, uh, is destitute of the truth. <coughs> now, so the first warning he gives here in chapter 6 is concerning wrong doctrine. Wrong doctrine that leads to ungodliness, ungodly practices. And any uh, time we accept wrong doctrine, I'll just say this because just to kind of emphasize the contrast here, we accept wrong doctrine, what we're doing, uh, in essence, is denying the truth. It's, it's one, or, one or the other. So Paul says, uh, again, if anyone um, teaches another doctrine, he is proud, knowing nothing, but is obsessed with disputes and arguments over words from which come envy, strife, reviling, evil suspicions, useless wranglings. Now, apparently this was a, a problem uh, in the church at Ephesus. Again, if you go back to uh, chapter 1, he, he says some very... Similar things. Uh, look at verse uh, chapter one, verse five. Now the purpose of the commandment is love from a pure heart, from a good conscience, from sincere faith, from which some, having strayed, have turned aside to idle talk, desiring to be teachers of the law, understanding neither what they say nor the things which they affirm. Um, and then he goes on brief discussion concerning that, but he just points out here as well that they are involved in idle talk. And they don't understand what they, what they say. They don't understand the things that they affirm. They have given heed to hypocrisy, lying spirits, doctrines of demons, and as he says here, involved in useless wranglings, strife, reviling, and they are destitute of the truth. Now, here's, here's the second warning. The first is just, again, against the, uh, uh, the harmful doctrine, unhealthy doctrine. And the second is against um, <clears throat> a wrong motive in godliness. That is, uh, just, he goes on to describe a desire to be rich. You could just, I think, sum it up with the word greed or greediness. Verse, five, uh, verse 6, rather. Verse 5, I'm sorry. Useless wranglings of men, corrupt minds, and men of corrupt minds and destitute of the truth who suppose that godliness is a means of gain. From such, withdraw yourself. Now, it's, it's interesting that he, he draws a, a uh, con- he makes a connection here between this false doctrine and greed. In other words, these false—he seems to be implying these false teachers, the ones that are that are teaching these uh, uh, these things—and we don't have all the specifics of what they were teaching. We see some of the uh, the fruit of it here with the uh, uh, with the strife and the reviling and the useless wranglings, idle talk, and so forth. But these men who are engaged in teaching false doctrine are motivated by greed. They have a form of godliness, 
because they see it as a means of of gain. Just kind of an interesting connection. I mean, we we see things out there in the in the church world today. You hear things, or you may see uh, uh, televangelists, whatever, and you think, you know, it just looks like a a money game. I mean, they're just in it for the money. Well, it was, it was going on in the first century too, <laughs> obviously. And Paul again just draws this connection and seems to say that this this is the motive behind it. In other words, why are they interested in godliness at all? Why are they interested in any form of religion, church? Why would they infiltrate the church of God? What what interest could they have? Well, because they see it as a means of gain. From such, Paul says, withdraw yourself. That's interesting too. Basically, he just says, get away from them. But, he goes on to say, godliness with contentment is great gain. So, there is, there is gain to be had, but not the way they think. I mean, they're, they're thinking uh, uh, about monetary things. They're looking for money. Paul says the real gain is godliness, meaning true godliness, not the, uh, not the feigned type uh, that they have that he uh, speaks of elsewhere. They have a form of godliness, but deny the power thereof. Real gain is godliness with contentment. Godliness with contentment. And I would say that's, that's the uh, product of sound doctrine. That's where sound doctrine takes you. Because it's not man-centered. It's not selfishly motivated. The gospel is totally God-centered. And it gives to us exactly uh, what we need. So, um, godliness with contentment, Paul says, is great gain. They see godliness as a form of, as, or as a means of gain, uh, but he says godliness is with contentment is great gain. Verse seven: For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain. We can carry nothing out. And having food and clothing with these, we shall be content. Now, he's, he's describing a life of godliness. While the, while the whole world goes after things, goes after stuff, goes after money, position, Paul is saying, here's... here's the mark of a Christian. Here's true godliness. Contentment. Contentment with the, with the basics. Why? Because this, this world's not our home and we're only here for a short time. We brought nothing into this world, Paul says. And it is certain we'll take nothing out of here. So what good does it do to heap up possessions? 
Godliness with contentment. Verse 9, further warning against being in love with things or the things of this world or this world. Verse 9, but those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and harmful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. It's interesting, isn't it? He doesn't say those who are rich. Those who are rich fall into temptation. If he did, uh, all of us poor folks could stand back and say, well, you know, uh, at least we're okay. And those guys, they, they're in bad shape. But no, that's not what he said. He didn't say that rich people are, are, uh, are headed for hell necessarily. Those who desire to be rich. You could be the, the poorest man in town, the poorest man on earth and yet be eaten up with lust for the things of this world. Desire to be rich. Discontent with what God has given you. So, that's what uh, Paul says is so harmful. Those who desire to, uh, desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare. It's a trap. And into many foolish and harmful lusts which drown men in destruction. What a, what a picture there. Just being um, overcome, submersed in it. Drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. See, again, he seems to be suggesting uh, this, is, this is what's behind the false teachers and, as he says, this is what's behind all kinds of evil. The love of money. The love of this world. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil for which, for which some have strayed from the faith. The truth. Sound doctrine. Some have strayed from the truth. What really matters. The greatest possession. The teaching, the sound teaching, our healthy teaching, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, the doctrine that accords with godliness. Some, Paul says, have strayed from that for the love of money, for the love of this world, for the things of this world. Jesus presents two paths in Matthew chapter 7. Let me turn there real quick. Just read a little bit of this. Basically, two paths he, he presents that we can take. One is to um, heed His words, and the other is essentially to ignore them. Matthew seven twenty four. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of Mine, Jesus says, and does them... Now, notice again the connection there. Whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them. So you've got doctrine, teaching, these sayings of mine. Teaching, Jesus' teaching. And does them. That's living it out. That's works. Godliness. Manifest godliness. Jesus says, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. 
And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. That's, that's what Paul is, is suggesting for the church. The church is the pillar and ground of the truth. It's founded upon the rock. Any other way, any other foundation is sure destruction. But, Jesus says, and Jesus Himself uh, draws a contrast, but everyone who hears these sayings of mine, that again is the teaching, the doctrine, you hear the teaching, you hear what Jesus says, everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. Paul says, For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. And so there are two roads. Truth, error. There's God-centered, godly living based on sound doctrine, based on God's Word. And then there's self-centered, selfish living based on selfishness, based on selfish lusts, desires. Sound doctrine versus error. Truth versus error. But you, O man, and we'll get into this next time. I'm only going to mention it tonight. Um, 1 Timothy 6.11. There's Paul's, having said these things, his exhortation to Timothy. But you, O man of God, flee these things. And pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience or endurance, gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life to which you were also called and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Pursue godliness. Pursue righteousness. Lay hold of it. Lay hold of sound doctrine. Take heed. Rather than taking heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons, take heed, Paul is saying, to the Word of God and live it out. I write these things so that you may know how you ought to conduct yourself in the household of God, which is the church, the called out ones of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. The truth. The church knows the truth, believes the truth, and lives the truth by the grace of God. Let's pray. 
Father, we do thank You for Your Word. We thank You for sound doctrine. Straight from You. For truly, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Lord, guard us, guard our hearts, we pray, from giving undue affection to things of this world, getting caught up in things and possessions and entertainment, anything that would steal away devotion that is rightfully Yours. Make Your truth, we pray, penetrate our hearts and minds And by the power of Your Holy Spirit within us, Lord, enable us to live accordingly. To believe the doctrine that accords with godliness. To pursue godliness. To lay hold on eternal life. For our good we ask it and for Your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. This sermon is made available through the ministry of Fillmore Baptist Church in Princeton, Louisiana. Our desire is to faithfully proclaim the message of salvation which God has provided in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ our Lord. For more resources and information, please visit our website at www.fillmorebaptist.org. You may use the links there to contact us or write us at Fillmore Baptist Church. 6304 Highway 80, Princeton, Louisiana, 71067.